Hey, welcome back to the Quick Slant NFL Show. I'm your host, Colin Fan of the Quick Slant, and on the line with us today to discuss some NFL trade scenarios, as always, our good friend, Chase Michelson of the Quick Slant. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Do you enjoy spring break for you? I enjoyed spring break. Maybe too much. <laughs> but I'm, I'm back, so we're good. We're good to go. All right. Well... I had something I wanted to talk about before we uh, did the trade scenarios. As of yesterday, Washington cornerback Sidney Jones tore his Achilles in his pro day workout. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's really sad because uh, th- that was a guy that if you had him as a number one cornerback, if you had him as a number five cornerback, either way, it was he was going to be a very high pick, whether it was first round, second round, and now that's just most likely not going to be the case. Um, so in the short term, it's going to cost him quite a bit of guaranteed money, and there's a good chance that you know this is going to have an effect on his career. Hopefully, he makes a full recovery and uh, he's okay. But it sounds like he'll probably miss the coming season, which is really sad. Yeah, I I don't see him sliding like you know too far out of the first round. I think he's still going to be a first round player especially now that New Orleans has 32 and they really need a corner I think that's somebody they could target but you know it could be like a Jalen Smith situation but in the end it's uh it's pretty unfortunate because he he was I think for you and I he was at least cornerback one and two for both of us so yeah it you know very talented player very unfortunate this happened um anyway so I have you on today and we're gonna talk about some uh, trade scenarios that we could see happening slash would benefit these teams um, in the NFL. So uh, why don't why don't you start us off with uh, your first trade scenario? Yeah. So my first my first trade scenario here is pretty simple. Uh, it's 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 nothing crazy, but I think it's something that would benefit both teams, and that's just Kirk Cousins uh, to San Francisco for a third round pick. Um, so. The rationale for San Francisco is pretty simple. They would get a quarterback that's not Brian Hoyer um, or Colin Kaepernick, and uh, that would be somebody they would be able to build around, somebody in uh, in Cousins who worked with uh, Kyle Shanahan really likes him, and it sounds like they're targeting veterans, especially with the, the signing of Hoyer, uh, rather than what we kind of expected them to do, which was take a quarterback in the first round. So I think for them, they really want to. And clearly, Cousins wants to. Um, go to San Francisco. It remains to be seen whether Washington will do that or not. Uh, for Washington, I think that the rationale is like you're going to lose. You're either going to lose him after this coming season or pay him. I think it's like thirty three million dollars next year. And obviously, that's not going to happen. Right. Uh, if you place the franchise tag on him for the third straight year, so he doesn't want to play for you. But one thing is that with the recent signings and. I mean, we're going to talk about more quarterbacks that are going different places. Um, that the draft board is looking more and more open for Washington to potentially draft a quarterback if they trade Cousins. So I think that this is something that benefits both teams. And uh, I don't. I mean, for me, I like Cousins. I think that he's a good player, but he clearly does not have a long-term home in Washington. Uh, they don't like each other right. at all. Yeah, and so. Well, yeah, just it's it's not a it's not a tenable situation right now between between the two sides. It's not going to get better. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree, but, like, if I am Washington, I don't think I give away Cousins for a third-round pick. I know there were some rumors floating around that they were trying to get, like, San Francisco's second overall or uh, some package like that. So, it, you know, it's hard to find a franchise quarterback in the NFL. It's almost like finding quality linemen. Uh, they don't come around very often, and especially with how weak this quarterback draft class is, I don't think Washington would be comfortable giving him up for a third-round pick. I mean, in principle, the trade makes sense, but I just don't see Washington executing for such a low pick. Yeah, I, I, I think what I would say is right now is there's sort of a there's a power vacuum with Washington just recently firing their general manager. So I think that we're kind of in a weird spot with them where I think a lot of things that maybe couldn't normally happen could happen because uh, it sounds like right now it's basically Snyder making personnel decisions, which is scary. Yeah. So, <laughs> and but that's one of the reasons that I think that this could happen is he could basically just be like, fuck Kirk Cousins, we're trading him, we don't want him. But, I mean, remember, this is the guy they chose over RG3, their second overall pick that they gave up a tremendous horde of picks for. So, I mean, they, they must have some, some, like, amount of value on Kirk Cousins. I, I just don't. Like, a third rounder, to me, isn't enough. And I don't think, especially to Snyder, it would be enough either. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I, I, I just I find it hard to believe that Kirk Cousins is even going to play this season for Washington since he's apparently directly appealing to Snyder for a trade. Like, I, I, it's not gonna, I don't think that it's going to work between them. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, we'll see, but I, I think in principle it makes sense, and San Francisco is probably the most likely destination for him. So for me, my my first trade scenario I have here, uh, I have Seattle trading Cliff Averill, a 2018 second-round pick, Jermaine Curse, a 2018 third, and I have them trading that to Cleveland for Joe Thomas and Emmanuel Ogba. I mean, I think this trade works out for both sides for pretty obvious reasons. Seattle just signed Luke Jokel, who is one of the worst offensive linemen in the league, to like an $8 million contract. He now makes more than their entire O-line combined, but nevertheless, it's still a bad O-line, and so they get a really good tackle. He's, Joe Thomas is still a top three left tackle in the league at his age. I think he's like 31 or 32. And this is kind of a trade where they get, also get rid of Jermaine Curse, he was terrible for them all last season in any kind of role, and they clearly just need to get him off the roster because he's eating up targets for guys like Tyler Lockett, Doug Baldwin, and Paul Richardson, and he's just been god-awful at the receiver position. Uh, they do get Emmanuel Ogba back in this trade after losing Cliff Averill. The one thing that Seattle was really good at in their Super Bowl run was they had a really dominant D-line rotation, and Emmanuel Ogba is like a young piece who I think is a really good pass rusher. Could develop well in Seattle. Um, could almost play the Cliff Averill kind of Leo role, but I think they'll give that to Frank Clark, who they're really high on. He looked really good, and so maybe they get rid of Averill, clear some salary cap, and um, give Frank Clark more playing time, get a young piece. And then obviously for Cleveland, they get – a proven veteran in A-roll. He's probably, you know, going to be the leader of that defense. I mean, it's not Jamie Collins, and at this point, Cleveland's in, you know, the full rebuilding, like, you know, the 76ers, the process kind of uh, mode. And 
with the 76ers, it's like when they were, you know, in the rebuilding, whole rebuilding mode, they didn't have a leader on that team. They were all young guys. So obviously Averill would be a good addition to the locker room. Uh, they do lose Ogba, but I mean, Averill probably makes up more than Ogba is now, but it wouldn't benefit them in the long term. But they still do get a ton of picks, and that's basically what they've been trying to do is just accumulate a ton of draft picks to rebuild the roster. Yeah, can you go over, again, how many picks would be traded? Yeah, so I have them giving uh, Cleveland a 2018 second round and then also their 2018 third round. So basically they're giving face value for Ogba, who was a second round pick last year, but they're also giving a third round here in addition to Averill because I don't think they'd trade Averill for Thomas straight up. So it's basically Averill in the third round for Thomas, and then Jermaine Curse is just a throw-in, just to get rid of him for salary cap reasons. I mean, we just saw the Brock Osweiler trade. Uh, Houston just gave Cleveland a second rounder to take him off their books, and Seattle probably should just get Jermaine Curse off their books. They should have nothing to do with him, or should want to have nothing to do with him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand the trade from Seattle's perspective. I guess I'm a little, in, like, I'm interested in what Cleveland is looking at. If they're just saying, look, we need picks, because I don't know what Averill does for them, really, other than, obviously, he's a tremendous player, but he's older than Agba. So, I mean, to me, if I were them, I'd rather have Agba. Averill is a better player right now, but he's 30, and Agba's 23. So... I mean, I would almost say that the trade works better without putting the the uh, the lineman in or the defensive lineman in, right? Because it seems like the opposite of what you would be looking for. You, if you're the Browns, you're looking to trade away the proven veteran in Thomas, right? Yeah. Um, and get a young player with upside like Ogba. So they have that player right now. I don't know what Averill does for them because by the time Cleveland's contending, if that ever happens, <laughs> you know, is, yeah. is Averill the kind of player he is right now? Well, obviously not. I don't think so. But as I mentioned before, they're kind of in the process mode. And this roster has like almost no veterans. I think their oldest player is Thomas. And if they're getting rid of him, obviously I think they want to bring in a veteran for their defense. I mean, their defense is – on the up-and-coming, I think, uh, they obviously have Jamie Collins. and He was shipped out of New England for being kind of a freelancer, and I don't think he's necessarily a leader. He was on an 0-12 Mississippi team in uh, college, and he's just not – like, I don't think – Yeah, I don't think he's a – I don't think he's a proven winner in terms of – as a person, yeah, he's been in a you know winning culture, but – I don't think he's necessarily a good leader for that defense. And I don't know. Cliff Averill's been in Seattle. They have a great locker room. Obviously, they've been dominant over past, you know, few seasons. And, I, you know, I think it's more of like a locker room kind of move to build up the young guys. So that by the time they are contending, they, there's a culture in place. All right. I can, I can buy that. So uh, the next trade I have is actually related to a trade that was already made. Okay. And, uh, and that's Brock Osweiler going back to his uh, his hometown. He's not from there. He's from Montana. But back to his his beginning as uh, the the heir apparent to Peyton Manning. 
and going back to Denver and the Browns uh, receiving uh, a, uh, a 2018 third round pick. And uh, the, the, the Browns would probably have to eat a good portion um, of the salary. So they'd probably have to convert a significant amount of his $60 million cap hit for this season into uh, a signing bonus. Right. They would pay it. But again, they're just, if they can turn Osweiler into the amount of picks that they have, they just keep buying picks because they're so far under the cap and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Then uh, that's what I think that I think that's what they would do. And for Denver, uh, yes, all the jokes about Brock being terrible with Houston, like I get it. But if you can get him for like six or eight million dollars, yeah. like at absolute worst, he's part of the quarterback conversation. Like, yes, he was bad last year, right. but with the better support system in place in Denver, he was decent. He did get that contract. Did he earn it? Uh, who knows? But he did get it, and. And Houston saw enough in him to offer him that contract based on his performance in Denver. So I think for Denver, it's like they don't have a guy right now. Yeah. Is Paxton Lynch a guy yet? Are we sure? Is Trevor Simeon a guy? Is Rock Osweiler a guy? Probably not. But it's something. And it, it would be if Cleveland uh, eats most of the money, it would be uh, pretty cheap. And they would have to give up next year's third draft pick and they're fine with that. So, yes, I think this is kind of a small move by both teams, but I think it, I think it helps. And I think if you read the Browns' press release yeah. when they acquired Osweiler, uh, they clearly don't play on Well, I mean, that was pretty apparent from the start, but, like, you know, my main concern with this trade is does John pull the trigger unless he knows – Osweiler is going to restructure that contract because the way Osweiler's contract is structured, it's really end loaded. So the majority of his, what is it? What was it? Like 80 million? It's all coming. 72, something like that. It's all coming in the back too. Cause I think he made 10 million this year or this past season, his salary for this season would be 16. And then the rest is just the rest of that 72 is spread out through the last two. And well, but it's not guaranteed. They, well, if yeah. it doesn't work after this year, they're cutting it. Yeah. And I think and they would they would have to pay a very small percentage of, of what his contract says. I think he only had like 36 in guaranteed money. So I think they wouldn't have to pay very much of it at all. I mean, yeah, it, it makes sense. But, like, I just don't see John doing it because it's like, are you going to pay Brock $8 million and you don't know how good he, how good he is going to be for you for this season when your roster is still in pretty much like contention mode, your window is closing a little bit. You know, some players on your defense are getting older, like Akib Tlaib. Uh, don't know if you're getting wear back uh, and stuff like that. Do they go with Osweiler in a trade like that? Or do they just say, hey, wait, let's just wait until Romo gets cut, sign him for like five, six million on a one-year deal or something like that. And see if he pans out. Uh, I don't think there's any urgency on either side to make this trade tomorrow. I mean, I think this could be the type of trade that we could be, see be made after the draft. You know, I, I don't think this is something that has to happen now. I think that it's something that uh, if the musical chairs happens and Denver ends up without a proven quarterback and they're in this situation where they just have Simeon and Lynch, then I think this is something they explore. So, no, I do not think this is a trade that happens soon. 
But yeah. I think it's a trade that could happen in the future. Because Cleveland is just waiting on somebody to try to, you know, get Oz by their own cheap contract. Because <laughs> yeah. Cleveland has no problem eating some of the money. They don't care. They just don't care. Well, if, you know, if they can, yeah. if they can turn um, what, you know, what they have already into, you know, another pick, basically to, to take Osweiler off of Houston's hands and to get him, you know, a decent player or to get Denver um, a decent quarterback for cheap mm-hmm. and they're getting all these picks for it. This is something that I think that they'll probably continue to explore, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's a possibility that's out there. Like you said, it probably would happen after the chips have fallen in the draft. And I mean, it could happen for all we know, but it, it's just something I don't see happening just because of the way that uh, the fallout with Elway and Osweiler happened. I think there's bad blood there. So, I mean... Yeah, I, I mean, that's probably fairly true. Yeah, because, I mean, Elway did offer him a sizable contract. It's just... Osweiler didn't want to go because he felt some type of way after getting benched in the San Diego game for Manning. So, well, I think I think that Osweiler felt some type of way because Houston offered him a lot more. <laughs> That's <laughs> and he true. Said, okay. Anyways, so um, my next trade, I have this is my favorite trade actually. Uh, I have Tennessee sending Brian Arakpo their 18th overall selection this year and Jason McCordy to Dallas. For Des Bryant, Jalen Smith, and this year's sixth rounder from Dallas. I mean, this trade makes a lot of sense uh, for both sides. I mean, the first, you know, people might say, wait, why would you trade a receiver like Des? Like, Des is a once in a generation receiver type, you know. I'm one of those people. I'm asking that question. I'm curious. Yeah, so here's, here's why it makes sense Dallas was heading into this offseason. They were strapped against the salary cap. What they have like 10, 15 million salary cap space, maybe less than that. So, so they were, you know, they're up against the books. They're paying a lot of guys. Des Bryant, he has a really big contract. Uh, I think he gets around 12 million a year, right? I think 12 million a year. And we saw Dak in this Dallas offense. Perform at a high level without Dez because he missed five games this or was it five? I think it was five games this season, and over the last two he's missed ten. So it's not like Dez has been available to Dallas for the entirety he signed the contract. He's been injured these last two seasons, and they can clear off a lot of money off their books, and in return they get they get a pass rusher that can in Arakpo who can play either at a outside linebacker or he can put his hand down and play as a down lineman and then they get help in the secondary from Jason McCourty because they're probably losing Mo Claiborne they're probably also losing Brandon Carr they lost both of their starting safeties so their secondary is a mess they get immediate defensive help and they also get a high pick this year in number 18 from Tennessee that they can use on a defensive guy or they can maybe use to draft somebody to replace Doug Free, who also retired. I think this makes a lot of sense for both sides because Tennessee also needs, you know, a number one outside receiving option. They missed out on Alshon. They couldn't trade for Brandon Cooks. And so they really still need a number one receiving option. And then Jalen Smith is a throw-in. He didn't play at all last season. 
and we don't know how he'll play when he comes back. Tennessee needs a middle linebacker to help them on the inside. Maybe Jalen Smith is the guy, maybe not. And then just a low draft pick just to recoup the 18 because they gave up. I think Tennessee's giving up a lot in this trade, but I think it makes sense. Um, you talked me into it a little bit in terms of uh, Dallas's productivity without Des and the fact that it's a young team and that it, it's not a situation where they have to chase a banner this coming year or whatever. Uh, my counter to that would be like, do you see Jerry Jones trading Des Bryant? Well, that's a maybe. And my answer to that is no. I, I think it's a maybe because there were some rumors floating around midseason about Des and Romo. It's like, are they going to get traded? Are they not going to get traded? I mean, Des had that whole locker room fiasco during the middle of the season too. So, I mean, it's not like they he, Des is completely off the table. I think worse comes to worse, Jerry gets strapped to a refrigerator, handcuffed to the uh, handles, and Stephen Jones just picks up the phone. He's like, hey, Tennessee, let's do this, and they pull off the trade. Maybe. I don't know. I, I guess what I would say, like, is everything went so well for Dallas last year that this seems like the type of move you make when you want to shake things up or whatever, and they don't need to. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. I don't know. Like, yes, I agree with some of the things you were saying about how it helps relieve some of the cap uh, troubles that they're having that it diversifies their talent with Arakpo and McCourty. Like, I agree with you, but it's, it, it seems like the kind of move that would be made after a uh, 5-11 season rather than a 13-3 season. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, oh, we have to trade one of the faces of our franchise. It's not very – it's just not something that you see happening after a 13-3 season. It would be very – like a very unique situation. Like, can you think of that happening where uh, – like one of the faces of the franchise was traded after as successful a season as Dallas had last year. Well, I no, I, I, I don't, but obviously my counter to that would be if they trade Dez, they can always grab a young receiver in the draft. The, this draft is actually rich with receivers. I think they could target a guy like Zay Jones. They could go after – if they get that 18 from Tennessee, they, you know, they're still – the possibility of like a Mike Davis or a John Ross. And these, these guys, they'll be team-controlled co- contracts for five years. They won't count against as much of the salary cap as Dez is. So it's like you're getting a lot of value for another guy and who could potentially be as good as Dez. I'm not saying any of them are, but yeah. I, I just think it makes a lot of sense. And if Dallas is smart they would make this trade but obviously with jerry running the whole show i probably something that might not happen but yeah it would just be tremendously ballsy it would to make, to make that kind of trade and i don't know i mean it's possible and i see some of the logic in it but i think i would probably hold on to my hand if i were Dallas. i don't know it's things were so successful last year yeah, i don't know yeah, I mean, we'll it's see. An it's an interesting one. Yeah. All right, so what's your next, uh, what's your next trade you got here? Yeah, so uh, my third and final trade, speaking of success,
successful seasons and trading bases of the franchise. Um, I have the New England Patriots trading Tom. I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> um, so I, I have the Patriots trading um, Rob Gronkowski uh, to the newly minted Los Angeles Chargers. Oh. Yeah. Um, for the first round pick in this draft, a third round pick in this draft, and a third round pick in the 2018 draft. Huh. I mean, does that make sense if New England's not getting a player back? Yes, and here's why. Uh, Grok is, like, unreliable in terms of just he's very he's very injury prone. Can we agree on that? Yes. I mean, so I think I know this more than anybody as a Patriots fan. Yes. So, and you're getting the seventh pick in the draft. You're getting the 71st mm. pick in the draft. And then you're getting a pick next year as well. So, if Bel- Belichick could turn the seventh pick in the draft into like, when was the last time Belichick had the seventh pick in the draft? Like, he could end up with the whole second round somehow. Like, this, this allows Belichick to be in a position that he's really never been in before, which is having a high pick and trading and having, having the ability to trade down. Right. And also, obviously, another staple of Belichickian philosophy is uh, trade star player before his market value tips at all. And for the Chargers, this trade is pretty simple. Uh, you need to put asses in seats because otherwise, like, nobody's coming to that fucking soccer stadium. <laughs> I agree, like, I agree. Gronk, they'll come. L.A. works with Gronk. The funny thing is, like, Boston culturally doesn't really work with Gronk at all. He's not blue-collar. He's not – I mean, like, yeah, Boston likes the party, but Boston, like, values – like, I mean, generally, Boston likes guys like, you know, Ortiz and Brady, who are these, like, maniacal workaholics and stuff who just who are just, like – Obsessed, Larry Bird. Like these are the guys that that Boston likes. Don't forget Sorry, Isaiah like, Thomas. He's gonna hold a grudge against you and drop like sixty-five against Miami. I love Isaiah Thomas. Then why didn't you mention him? The Comas. Oh, I was saying. I think I said. Did I say the word historically? I think I said the word historically. You did not say historically. Isaiah Thomas is gonna feel some type of way after he hears this. He's gonna beat my ass. Even though I'm taller than him. I never thought I'd be taller than an NBA like star. Star? He's a superstar. He's a bona fide superstar. I mean, it's early, but but just like this is it, it, it's a weird it's a weird feeling. Anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, Gronk in LA obviously makes perfect sense, and it gives Philip Rivers a target. And really, I mean, would I do this if I were the Chargers? No, but will they? For the same reason that uh, that uh, they're you know crosstown rivals, that's a weird thing to say about the Chargers and the Rams. Uh, did when they mortgage the future for Jared Goff, who doesn't know where the sun sun rises, like, still doesn't. <laughs> when you're when you're in a city like Los Angeles, it is incumbent upon you to have stars. Otherwise, people won't come, and if people don't come it's going to look like a really bad deal for Spanhouse immediately. So he has to have people in the seats. So, football-wise, I think this is a bad move for the Chargers. It gives them a really good player, but doesn't give them much else, and it kind of doesn't help the future. Yeah. But I don't – football's a business, and I think that we don't realize that 
enough, and like it's sad that it's that it is that way. Yeah. And and but like I, this is totally something I can see Chargers doing is saying coming to New England saying we want Gronk, and Belichick's like, all right, well, uh, we want your first round pick, and they're like, yeah, yeah, and he's like, oh, I wasn't done. Uh, I also want two third round picks, and they're like, "Fuck, okay, sure." Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, yes, it makes sense from a business standpoint, but you're underselling my guy Hunter Henry here, um, and you're also saying that Phil Rivers isn't a big enough of a star for LA. Are you saying Phil Rivers is not a star? Uh, Phil Rivers is not listening to this podcast because he's currently having sex with his wife in an attempt to have their thirty. 30- <laughs> Kids. <laughs> um, but no, of course not. <laughs> I, I should. You you brought up Hunter Henry, and that's a good point. I think that Hunter Henry is a really good player, but I think that paired with Gronk, from a football standpoint, really quickly, I think that actually would work really well. Having yeah. both of them on the field at the same time. No, I like that. I like that pairing, but it's not like Antonio Gates is dead yet. Is it not like that? Well, I mean. He's still listed as a member of the Chargers roster, so it okay. appears right. not. But I think it's eminent. Definitely eminent. I mean, no disrespect to Antonio Gates, one of the greatest tight ends ever. Nothing but respect and love for Antonio Gates. But no, he, he just I mean, needs to hang his cleats up. He's old as he's a shit. Fig- he's a figure that I will always associate with my childhood. Like, I think of him and LaDainian Thomason as contemporaries. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I agree, but... He's just old as shit. Like, but, I mean, another thing is, like, are you telling me Dwayne Allen is New England's guy? I don't think Dwayne Allen is our guy. All right, fine. So with the seventh pick, they can trade down three times and still end up with O.J. Howard. You're welcome. I don't know. Do you think, hypothetically, let's say Cleveland doesn't go after a quarterback with one. They draft Miles Garrett. Nothing happens. And uh, Cleveland still has number 12. Do you see O.J. Howard not... Do you see O.J. Howard getting past 12? Because I don't. This is... O.J. Howard's a guy they coached at the uh, Senior Bowl. They really like him. One of the safest prospects in this draft. I don't know, man. Okay, counter. First of all, the, the, the Patriots would have the seventh pick, so they can choose to use it if they want. On O.J. Howard, that's that's no val- That's the uh, most un-Belichickian thing ever. Yeah, but I mean, like, I don't think that they would be that their that their initial thing is like fear of losing Gronk. They were fine without Gronk. They won the Super Bowl without Gronk. Yeah, but we also had a unicorn named Martellus Bennett playing. I don't by no stretch or any means is Dwayne Allen a unicorn. He's just Dwayne. Yeah. He's just Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> Like I, I don't so you're, know. You're a Patriots fan. You're a Patriots fan. You're against this trade. No, if we can get a better tight end than Dwayne Allen somehow in the draft, maybe Evan Ingram or something. I don't know. My guy, David Joku. No, I, I am not high on David Joku. I think David Joku. Can is I like, can I make a case for David Joku really quick? Sure. He holds the all-time high jump record in the state of New Jersey. Okay, good for David Joku. Did he throw probably the won ball a medal? Up there, Tom, throw it up. He will get it. Why is he throwing it up to David Joku to get it when he can just throw it like seventy yards to Brandon Cooks like every play? Why are we having this discussion, man? <laughs> <laughs> they don't need other players, just Cooks. 
true. To just have him and Cooks play two on eleven. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a Madden offense. You just run lob streaks every play. <laughs> By the way, the, the saddest part of this, from a New England perspective, is that the Patriots would no longer be the most fun team to use on Madden. How so? Well, because Gronk is the greatest. I think he's the greatest player in Madden Sex Moss. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I, I definitely I have to say. I once had 25 catches for 482 yards and eight touchdowns with Gronk in a game against my roommate. Okay. 482 yards. That's not hard. I've had like 600 receiving yards with Julio Jones in like one game. Madden is a broken game. I don't think we need to get too far into that, but I, I don't know. This trade probably won't happen ever, but it would be a fun trade to think about. Okay. So for my final trade, I actually have one that I think you're going to really like. Uh, so I have Miami sending over Devontae Parker, Byron Maxwell, a 2017 second rounder, and I have them sending that all over to San Francisco for Navarro Bowman, Zane Beatles, and a 2017 six-rounder. So basically, on Miami's side, they send over somebody who is pretty low on their receiving depth chart, um, a corner who by no means is even a starter for them. Uh, he carries a huge cap hit. It would basically be a salary dump for them, and they acquire something that they really, really need, their linebacking core was god-awful last year. They just signed Timmons, who is a, was a good linebacker in his good days, in his prime, but now he's getting a little more susceptible to the pass with him going up in age. So Navarro Bowman is a really elite linebacker. He's coming off a, was it an Achilles? I think it's an Achilles. Um, so I think, I think he'll recover and have a great season, but it makes sense for San Francisco to get him out of there because they just signed Malcolm Smith to, like, a five-year deal. And uh, they also brought in Brock Coyle from the Seahawks, who I expect them to start in some capacity or use him in, like, a rotational role. But, uh, I mean, it's not like they're competing for a championship anytime soon, so I don't think they really need Navarro Bowman. He makes more sense being on Miami than San Francisco right now. Also, they ship over Zane Beatles uh, since Miami really wants a guard just – to kick Laramie Tunsil out to left tackle. And then, of course, Miami has to send a 2017 second rounder to San Francisco because, obviously, I don't think Byron Maxwell and Devontae Parker equal Navarro Bowman. Yeah, um, I like this trade for the Dolphins. I will say that, you know, it, it would be kind of a pretty quick giving up on Devontae Parker. He's the first round pick two years ago, so... And he had a decent season last year. But certainly there's other guys. There's other guys in the rotation. So I, I do like this trade because we need linebacking help. Uh, I like the signing of Simmons. I love it. I think he's a good player. It'll help. Bowman would help. Even if we made this trade and signed Simmons, I would still want us to draft a linebacker in the first round. That's how bad our linebacking core is. I'm, like, that's our, not, I'm not saying that we don't have other teams, obviously. But linebacker is our first, second, and third need right now. So any way we can improve the linebacking core is uh, is good. It's good by me. Like I just, I just, I, I, Jelani Jenkins. I don't really want to talk about him. So, <laughs> uh, and then I like 
the idea of uh, acquiring the Beatles too. And, and I think this trade makes sense for the 49ers too, because I think Parker's a promising receiver. Yes, he's uh, struggled with injury and that kind of thing, but the pedigree of, uh, of getting a guy who was a first round pick only two years ago, uh, that's the kind of thing that can help jumpstart the 49ers regardless of whether they have a quarterback, whether it's Hoyer, whether it's Cousins, whether it's Stravinsky, whoever it is, they're going to need targets. And that's the type of guy who can hopefully step in and, and really be part of something. And you're right about Bowman. Uh, he's only 28, but again, the 49ers are a long ways away. So, uh, I like this trade for both teams. I think that I actually think Maxwell is not necessarily as bad as like he is made out to be. He was not worth his contract that he signed with Philadelphia, but he doesn't necessarily have to be. In San Francisco, less pressure uh, to live up to that. But again, this would be him being traded again, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, I like I like this trade for both teams. I think that I think that Miami benefits short term. And uh, the 49ers would be able to get two good players, I think, and, and a pick uh, that they can use towards their rebuild. I could definitely see why the 49ers would want to make this. Navarro Bowman's one of the last players on that roster that really has value um, in terms of getting something that matters back and not just sort of like a cursory pick. So I think that they'll probably move him quicker or sooner rather than later. Yeah. Well, I, mean... I imagine because. Because, you know, every year that goes by, yeah. he decreases in value, and the team's not going anywhere anyway. So. Yeah, and, I mean, it's not like... I don't think Miami wants to go forward with Kiko Alonso or Lawrence Timmons as their long-term middle linebacker. I think, ideally, they want to kick both of those guys outside. Because I don't think Kiko's a natural middle. I think he's more of an outside linebacker. I agree with you. So, obviously, Navarro Bowman is there, and... I don't know what Miami's doing. Why'd they tender? Why'd they put such a high tender on Kiko? <laughs> Could have retained him for a lot cheaper one. So I agree with that. Although I actually do, I don't mind him as a player. I mind the contract. Um, I thought he had a decent season last year. He was the one linebacker that I didn't, didn't make me want to slam my head against the wall. <laughs> um, but that being said, I still want help in the linebacking position. And so I still want, I still want Cunningham. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I agree. And, I, I mean, the uh, Dolphins have been linked to Hassan Riddick uh, in the draft. So. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, look forward to that. And um, one last note for San Francisco. I think, obviously, Devontae Parker is a young talent. Like you said, he had a decent year. But right now, as we speak, he's, like, third on the depth chart. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Miami could just go get a low-cost guy like a Richard Matthews type player from two seasons ago. Not that they're going to go out and get Richard Matthews, but a player like that just to fill the void that Devontae Parker would, you know, uh, leave. Because I think Stills and Landry are two excellent receivers. Well, not Stills, but Landry is an excellent receiver. And uh, Devontae Parker would really give San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan that kind of Julio Jones type player. Because their build is pretty similar, although I think uh, – Jarvis Devonte Parker is definitely his ceiling is a lot less low than Julio, but would yeah, be sure. a number one receiver for them. Yeah, uh, it's a chance to sort of rebuild the career for Parker. 
And then also, like you said, skills, skills and that kind of, all right, let's go deep threat. And then you have Landry over the middle and just the, just the, the, the sort of consummate, um, you know, guy who can break any, any slant route yeah. you know, to the post. So, you know, I, I, you don't have to, to, to sell me on Jarvis Landry. I, yeah, no, I I know you love Jarvis. He's like the well, probably the most... for not just because of how how good of a player is, but just uh, his mentality. He's one of my favorite offenses in a while. So, um, well, I bet any, you're, anyway, you're working you can... with a you're working with a pretty uh, inane roster there. Like, I I don't think many of the uh, Dolphins players are very likable. You know, I I think Rajab Jones would disagree with that, but. Okay, outside of Rashad Jones and Jarvis Landry, like who who could I like on that roster? Like Ryan Tannehill and Dominican <laughs> Sue, like I, I think Cameron Wake. Tough. He seems like a Cameron Wake seems like a nice guy. I don't know. I don't know. Cameron Wake played in Canada instead of going to the NFL. Maybe maybe it's some personality issues. Who knows? I mean, okay. And <laughs> <laughs> you just lobbied completely unprovoked and unsubstantiated shots at Cameron Wake's character. But Well, I mean, it's not like Cameron Wake's gonna like listen to this and sack Tom Brady and injure him and then we'll have traded Garoppolo by that time, so we'd have to roll with Brissett for the season, so I I, I don't think anything like that's gonna happen. No, I'm not I'm not, concerned, I'm not really concerned about it. But yeah, I do like that trade for Miami and I and I think it's a good trade for both teams. Yeah. That's um, the only trade we've like agreed on. Well I mean yeah, pretty much, actually, because this is, like, the most realistic trade of <laughs> all the ones we had. Although I think the Seattle-Cleveland one was, like, fairly close to being realistic. Uh, and then, obviously, you have... Uh, I think oh, yeah, the Cousins one, but I still think that could still happen. I think it could happen, but the value, the pick value, that, that's just something we can agree to disagree on, because in right, my mind, enough. Cousins is worth more than a third, and... I actually like Cousins. I think he's the top 12 quarterback in the league. Maybe even higher. Maybe top 10. Whoa. I don't know about that. You know what? I'm not going to disrespect Michigan State's part, and I agree with you. You know what? He might be the best quarterback. Wait, okay. Well, not the best because you're underselling Andy Dalton, who is like first at every, right. first at every seen, position of value. Have you seen the video of him trying to pop up the Bengals? <laughs> it's it is so the least inspiring. It's the if you found like the feet from any given Sunday, and then you had like its exact photo negatives. Yeah, it would be Andy Dalton trying to pump up the Bengals for a game. <laughs> I I watched it, and then I like I was gonna do homework, and then I was like, Nah, I'm not inspired. Like I got less inspired to do what I was gonna do. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I was supposed to be studying for finals, and then I also watched that uh, pump-up video, and uh, now I'm not studying for finals, so. And now I just don't care. I, I just don't care. Like, you know, it makes me question, makes me question if anything's worth it. <laughs> I mean, the guy literally said, team on me, team on three, and then nobody else said team except for Andy, and then they just slowly walked out the tunnel. So they always preach. <laughs> All right, well, we got six trades in there, man. That, uh, I doubt that all will happen, but maybe a couple. Yeah, well, we'll see. I think the most likely to happen, obviously, is the Miami-San Francisco one, and then mm-hmm. 
probably we will see down the road if the uh, Tennessee Dallas one happens. I think that's actually a sleeper one to happen. Maybe not with the exact same assets, but I think Dallas is. I think Des is on the chopping block, but we'll see. We'll see. You know what? We'll see. We'll see. If Brandon Cooks is out in New Orleans, then I think Des could be out in Dallas. You never know. Okay. Well, uh, good talking with you. We'll probably do another podcast uh, at the end of the free agency period, so a couple weeks from now, uh, just to recap everything. And um, I'll talk to you then. All right. Sounds good, man. All right. Good talking to you, buddy. Have a good one. Talking to you. Yeah. Bye. Bye.